Good morning. We continue uh, our series in Proverbs. My favorite Proverbs, we're in chapter 16. We're going to look at the first three Proverbs, verse 1, 2, and 3. And I'd like to read those. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. These Proverbs are a simple yet profound reminder that we're not all that. You ever heard that expression, you're not all that? It means you're not all that. Here we see the wise telling us something about us, but also something about themselves. We have a perspective on the world from the viewpoint of the wise. And the wise show us why they're wise. They know there are boundaries to what we can know and to what we can control. They know that. Sometimes we don't. Or we're not cognizant or aware of it. They know that human wisdom alone cannot bring success. Sometimes we forget that. They're aware of that. These things are being shown right here in these verses. They know that true wisdom, true wisdom is mindful of the presence of God, mindful of the presence of God. I was thinking as we were worshiping this morning and the way we worship uh, as a part of our, our worship when we come together as the people of God is uh, we sing together. And we are, so to speak, led in our thinking, in our emotions, through the words that we sing. But this morning I was thinking, are we singing unto the Lord? Are we aware of his presence? Are we, even though there are someone's words that are helping shape and, and cause us to think beautiful things about our relationship with the Lord, about the Lord, about our needs, are we worshiping him as though he is present? Well, I only mention that not to shame anyone, but to remind us that wisdom is this awareness of the presence of God. He's not way off. He's not rushing from one place to another. He's present. And the wise know that true wisdom is fully mindful of the Lord, that he is sovereign we don't use that word much anymore. I hope you all know what sovereign means. 
It means kind of like almighty. My dad was sovereign in my life. If my dad was in the room, that changed everything for me. Even when he was not in the room, I was anticipating (laughs) his return. His absence held for me a sense of uh, anticipation. Dad's coming. In fact, I'd ask my mom, "Um, could I do this? I would like to do that. Well, that, that sounds, yeah, it sounds okay to me, but let's wait and ask your dad when he gets home. Steve Hartman, Friday, I don't know if you watch the evening news. This is not a plug for CBS, but CBS News on Friday, they have a, an occasional piece called On the Road with Steve Hartman. They are the sweetest things. They always encourage. They're just wonderful. Well, evidently, he went on the road because there was a, a headline in the papers Dad's spend time in Louisiana high school after 23 students were arrested in a string of violence. Can you imagine if 23 students, say, at Golden West, Redwood, were arrested, not just taken to the principal's office, but taken away in handcuffs, arrested for violence on the school? Well, the dads thought, we've got to do something about this. And so they they divvied up time at school. They call it dads on duty. So Steve Hartman went to the school. He was curious, you know, as to what what kind of impact this was having. He was interviewing some of the students. And um, yeah, the, the presence of dads changed everything. Changed everything. Hartman asked a, a student, why? And uh, she replied, you ever heard of a look? The students claim that that's the power that all dads have, a look. If I was asked as a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? I, I, I thought of many things I never thought of my dad. It wasn't that I didn't want to be my dad. What I wanted more was I wanted my dad's power. I wanted his authority. I wanted that freedom. And in a way, I think that's something we all want. We want to be sovereign. We want to be, so to speak, dads of ourselves with no dads to tell us what to do. The wise know that we all need a benevolent sovereign. We all need a benevolent father. And they recognize that father knows best. Again, in Proverbs 1-7, and periodically, in these very words, or in different ways, we're reminded from the outset that the fear of the Lord leads to wisdom. And these wise people who wrote these Proverbs this morning that we're looking at, whether it be Solomon or some wise after him, because we know that Proverbs was 
compiled. Proverbs were written by other wise men than Solomon. If you read through it, you'll see that clearly. These wise, who they all were aware of the Lord in their lives. They were all aware of the Lord in life and that all of life is his house. It's his house. And he knows best. After I turned to Jesus Christ as a young man, I came to see that Jesus was not only my Savior, Jesus was the person I wanted to follow. I wanted to emulate him. I wanted to be like him. If we do that, and the reason I'm telling you this is because we want to hear God's word. We, we read these three parables, Proverbs, excuse me, and how do we put them into practice? How do we incorporate this and make it a part of the fund of wisdom that we have in our relationship with God? How does it help us operate in relationship to the Lord in a wiser, better way? And I think the, the way that it is most meaningful to me is to realize that God, the sovereign Lord, the creator of the world, has revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ. And we gain so much wisdom from reading the Old Testament. We hear the story of how God's plan of redemption is put into action and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But it might help us to make sense of this for our own lives if we think of walking after the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a song called The Father's House. You may have heard it on the radio. It's by Corey Asbury. It's called The Father's House. And to the wise... The world is the Father's house. And what is important is to get wisdom, we have to remember the Father is in the room. He's in this room. He's in every room. Whether we're outdoors or indoors, he's in the room. That makes a difference in the way we look at things, receive things, face challenges, handle problems, bad news, good news. Our plans, our motives, our actions are all in view here. And what the wise are telling us is that the Father has answers that we will never have. And he appraises things in ways we cannot. And on top of that, it's his approval that really counts. And so this morning, as we look at these three Proverbs, I want us to consider our plans and the Father's answer. And I want us to consider our motives and the Father's appraisal and our actions and the Father's approval. Verse 1, or Proverb 1 of chapter 16, says the plans of the heart belong to man, but the proper answer, we might understand, is uh, 
the answer of the tongue that's from the Lord. Answer is the key word, I think. Otherwise, we would expect that no matter what we say, it came from the Lord. And I'm not sure that's what we're to, uh, to infer from this. Chapter 21, verse 30 of Proverbs says, No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can prevail against the Lord. In the Old Testament, in Numbers chapters 22 and 23, we are introduced to a man named Balaam. And uh, Balaam is kind of a seer, and he doesn't know the Lord. And people go to him because they want him to make things happen. He's kind of like a, a magic man. And so the lo- one of the local kings uh, asks Balaam to curse Israel because Israel is coming into the vicinity and he doesn't want any trouble with Israel. He doesn't want Israel to camp in his, his neighborhood, so to speak. You know, go across the tracks. You'll be fine over there. Leave us alone. So he asks Balaam to curse Israel. And Balaam can't. Everything, in short, if you read the the chapters, you might enjoy it. But in the end, all he can do is bless Israel. I wish it were that way for us. But I know that there have been things I've said were not from the Lord. I think, though, what we are to see is that key word answer. It helps us to realize that the, the answer that we seek in all of our plans, and the word for uh, the plans of a person, those are the inner thoughts of a person. And our inner thoughts are not j- always just random, but here we have plans in mind, the things that we want to do, the things that we want to make happen, those all start internally. They never see the light of day unless you say a word. Have you ever thought of that? All that thinking, all of that internal imagining never sees the light of day unless you write or, in other words, you you express it in a word, what the Bible would call a word. That's an intelligible piece of communication. And we hope that that will make things happen. It might be a command. It might be to gather people to work with us. But it doesn't happen unless it comes out in some form or another, unless we put that into a word. But it's not an answer, and that's from the Lord. And that's what the wise want us to appreciate, is that with all of our intelligence, if you will, if you take together our, the way we arrange things, the, it could be translated the arrangements of the mind, they all come to naught unless we have the answer of the Lord. The answer is from the Lord. It's really interesting how the Lord sometimes works Um, you have heard of King David, great king of Israel. Well, he had a son, Absalom. And Absalom tried to overthrow David. In fact, David and all the people of Jerusalem fled because Absalom, uh, in the surrounding 
environs of the country. Uh, he was a good politician. <laughs> you should read the chapters. It's only three chapters. You'd enjoy it. It's Second Samuel chapters 15, 16, and 17. Take some time and read it. And uh, you'll be amazed by Absalom. I mean, he's a, he's a nice guy, man. He greets everybody with a smile. He shakes their hand. Can't you just see the politician at work, you know? Makes everybody feel good. Um, yeah, he's doing things that David isn't. And the people want to follow him. And David realizes this. Word is brought to him that Absalom is mounting... Um, to overthrow a rebellion. And so he gathers all the people uh, that want to go with him, and he flees. Well, Absalom takes counsel. Uh, David finds out later that his key counselor, and this guy's got quite a name, it's Ahithophel, or Ahithophel. But Ahithophel is the wisest man. In fact, it says Ahithophel is consulted, when you consult him, it's as if you're consulting God himself. That's right in the Bible. That's what a great counselor he was, and he was David's main counselor. If you ever saw the Godfather movie, movie you know how important a counselor can be. And when, when David hears that Ahithophel has joined Absalom in this rebellion, um, David realizes that uh, he's got his secret weapon. And so he prays, and he prays to the Lord, and he asks the Lord to make Ahithophel's counsel seem foolish. Seem foolish. Not be foolish. Seem foolish. Interestingly, as David is fleeing, we're introduced to kind of the inner chambers of Absalom's council with Ahithophel and the elders of the people that have gathered. He's really got the numbers on his side at this point. And he hears the plan of Ahithophel. And basically Ahithophel says, let me take a couple thousand men and I'll go myself and we'll overcome David as he's fleeing and we'll kill David alone. All we need to do is kill David, and the kingdom will be yours. And Absalom says, that sounds very wise. I think that's what we should do. And all the elders agree. But then for some reason, Absalom turns to Hushai. Hushai has joined his ranks. And he says, Hushai, Let's hear what you have to say. I'd like to hear your counsel. Well, he goes into this elaborate thing. You, you have to read it for yourself. But basically, when he's finished, he says, wow, your wisdom is greater than Ahithophel's. We're going to follow your plan. And because he followed Hushai's plan, David escapes. If they had followed Ahithophel's, David would have been overcome and killed. Now, I don't know how the Lord does all that, but he fulfilled the prayer of his anointed, and David was spared. But he didn't defy the wisdom of Ahithophel. He just caused them for the first time in their lives to hear another plan that seemed 
so much wiser. I don't know how the Lord works, do you? But have you ever taken inventory of your life, looked back over your life? You look. I know for me, I see, I see God's hand through it all. And it continues to amaze me. I never dreamt of all my dreams, all the, you know, how many dreams have you had? Imaginations of what you want to be when you grow up, what you want to see happen, what you want for your kids or friends or whatever. I never dreamt I'd be a pastor. It never, not once did I ask to be a pastor. And yet it's been the greatest life I can even imagine for myself. All I'm trying to say in all of these things is illustrate that it is wisest to always be aware of God in your life. Consult him. Think about him. Consider that he has the answer you're looking for. My daughter, when she was in high school, she was very upset. And so I tapped on the door. I said, can I come in? And through tears, you know. Yeah, you can come in. I walked over to where she was lying on her bed. I put my hand on her arm. I said, can I pray for you? Because, you know, I I didn't want to try to be the answer man. May I pray for you? I tried it, and it doesn't work. Sometimes that's the way we expect God to work, you know. I tried it, didn't happen, as if God were our genie and not the almighty creator and sovereign of the world. But if we're aware, see now I I know what she was shook about and I see what God has done in her life. I see God's hand in her life. She didn't see it at that time. If she could have been aware that we have a loving, benevolent Lord, and sovereign. Perhaps we could calm ourselves, live a little more expectantly and hopefully. Maybe we could wait upon him and think, you know better than I, so I'll look to you. You know what I want, you know what I desire, but teach me through this that I might become wiser, more attuned to your good and not just my idea of good. And that brings us to our motives in verse 2, and the Father's appraisal. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. The appraisal of the Lord is the appraisal that really matters. Have you ever caught that show? I don't even know if it's on anymore, so I guess I'm dating myself, the the. Antiques Roadshow. It used to be on NPR. And uh, I, I didn't watch it a lot, but I watched it a few times enough to know that the drama of this show is between the person who brings in some item that maybe has been an heirloom in the family, and they wonder, is this valuable? Could this be worth a lot of money? I bet you have something like that in your own household, in your own family. You know, something's been handed down. I should have brought this horn that I have. I mean, it's like a big, 
I don't know if you'd call it a steer horn and then it's capped with this ornamental metal attachment on the top and it's got like this metal thing at the bottom and it's sitting on a stand and it was in my grandfather's house and it's the only thing I have from him. And he was like from Norway or some Norwegian area. So who knows? Maybe it's some Viking heirloom worth tons of money. And it's sitting on the floor, you know, just almost behind the door in my office. What if I took it to the Antiques Roadshow, but I don't know what its value is? See, it has some sentimental value to me, but I could take it there And that's where the drama lies, see, because I've told you what it means to me, but what would it mean to an expert? And while we wait for the expert, then he takes it in his hands and he begins to assay it and look at it and evaluate it and the quality and so forth, and this belongs to this kind of period and we have others of this kind, and this happens to be a really good example of this type of valuable thing. And this thing is worth, yes, yes, what? More or less than what the owner thinks. Will the owner go away kicking their heels? I'm rich. Or, hmm, well, it still matters to me because it's mine and it's in the family. What we need is, you see, the appraisal of the Lord. Jared spoke last Sunday, and he, uh, he quoted from Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 11. In those verses, which are very precious, he reads, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. Neither are your, are your ways my ways. It's wise for us to submit our motives to the Lord for appraisal. What do you think, Lord? Not only of the configurations, imaginations, and plans of my mind, but what about what's in my heart in terms of my intentions, my reasons, my motivations? Are they pleasing to you? Do you value them? Do you delight in them? And then our actions and the Father's approval in verse 3. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Uh, In the English Standard Version, it's singular. Because work can mean, you know, that can involve a lot of working. But it's actually works. And works usually are the result of plans, don't you think? You plan, and then you start working to somehow complete or achieve what you've been planning. But here it's reversed, you see. Uh, Submit your actions would be a good synonym, or maybe more helpful. Submit your actions to the Lord, and He will establish your plans. 
There's this word commit. I don't know if all the translations, I think all the translations say commit your works unto the Lord. A very interesting Hebrew word. Galel, it is actually to roll. You know, like, there are some things, I wish you could roll pianos. Pianos are really hard to move. Or roll a refrigerator. Refrigerators are hard to move. And we have things in our lives that are hard to move. They're too difficult for us alone. The idea here is not move, but in place of move, it's roll. Roll that unto the Lord. It reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, and I think Peter might have been inspired by this verse. And there are parallels to it in the Psalms. The idea of rolling, he says, cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Yeah, dump them on him. Here the picture is rolling it onto him and leaving it there. There's a sense of finality that you roll it and then you're done with it. Wow, if we could roll our actions unto the Lord. Yesterday, I was right here, not at this moment, but a little later for um, a a person's memorial service. And uh, I was working on this sermon. Actually, uh, about three weeks ago, I was working on this sermon, some preliminary thinking, and Shelley called right in the middle of it. Yesterday, I was working on what I was going to say to you today, and this has been... I put in a lot of thought because this is kind of perplexing, you know, when you just read it for the first time. And I got a call again, but it wasn't from Shelley. It was from the family whose memorial I was doing. And they said, are you coming? I said, yeah, I'll be there, you know. No, the graveside. Well, I hadn't, I don't know where the ball was dropped, but I was supposed to be at the graveside right then, and to my knowledge, I had not heard about that. So I'm pondering this. I'm aware. The Lord's in the room. The Lord's in the room. You begin to see things through his eyes. I I said, I'll be there. I'm leaving now. I didn't have any notes prepared. um, I'm one of those people that... I don't like to just talk. I have to prepare what I'm going to say because I, I don't trust myself. Um, I don't think I'm all that. I need to think through what I'm going to say because I want it to be something that's meaningful, purposeful, and right. And so this was, I, this has never happened in all the years that I've pastored. But I jumped in the car and I just prayed. And you know, I had peace. I had peace. I almost had a weird kind of freedom. I thought maybe I should do this every week. (laughs) Oh, today, what verse are we in? Yeah, here we go. (laughs) But the Lord is good. And I just want to impress upon you from these verses just that idea. Get wisdom. And it starts with remembering the Lord, the Father. The Father's in the room.
and the fathers in the room. Let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, hey, I got to stop. I want to remind you, we're going to sing a closing song, and we'll be up here if you would like to come and pray with someone, interceding for someone or for yourself. There'll be uh, any elders, deacons, spouses this morning. Now, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together. It's just us, your people. And uh, we count it an honor to be your children, to gather in your name, to hear from you, to plead with you, to leave our burdens with you. May we walk a little lighter, a little taller, a little uh, firmer today as we walk with you because you're in the room. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray.